And a very good afternoon and welcome to what we love to call around here, The Klein Files. And it is a beautiful, beautiful day here in Southeast Texas. Probably one of the last ones that we have. It's uh, coming up to May 1st and that always brings uh, hurricane season warm-ups and cold fronts from the north and tropical air from the south and we always get the bad weather no tornadoes this year yet so we're all just kind of on standby we want to welcome you to um, the first show of the second year and uh, that's rather exciting around here and my of course my cohort caroline gear is back hi did you have a good trip i did it was very relaxing do you want to talk about it I mean, there's not a whole lot to say other than you want to tell everybody where you went. Yes. We went to um, South Carolina Mm -hmm. and we visited Charleston, Mm -hmm. Sullivan's Island, Mm -hmm. Folly Beach Mm -hmm. and all the areas in between. Nice. It was. It's good. I'm glad you got away. Uh, I've been traveling as well. We were both out of the office. The last podcast was produced by Taylor. Uh, who did a good job she did a great job i thought she did she did i was pleasantly surprised yeah yeah it was rather controversial as usual but that's just the way it is um and you know you just accept it sometimes and I, i know there's a lot of people that have called me over the last two weeks and i apologize that i have not returned your phone calls i know there's like how many six seven i haven't returned i don't know but i know the day i got back you left and I'm pretty sure that every single day was multiple phone calls. Yep. Crazy, crazy, crazy phone calls. And so uh, anyway, we're going to talk about a lot of stuff today uh, on our first show of our second year. Um, and I just um, I just want to thank all of you out there for your wonderful comments, your emails. your And I've read them all. I, I, I sat up here till what, 2 o'clock in the morning? And read uh, read all the uh, the people that wrote me emails and the people that left me messages and that sort of thing. I'm sorry I haven't called you back, but you don't want to hear from me at two o'clock in the morning. That seems to be the quiet time around this office when uh, I can uh, I can uh, uh, talk to some folks. Uh, I know I'm, my 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 uh, what is it? My theory of life is after eight o'clock I don't call people. Uh, unless it's an emergency or it's a client or something like that. But uh, I have returned as many calls as, as I can, and I will continue to try to do that. All right. Where do we start here today, Caroline? I guess let's get the, let's get the, the, the little. Uh, There's a lot of different things that we're going to talk about. Right. But I mean, let's get the mini excavator off the, off the, off the table here. And that is the uh, situation with the Tom Brown case. Oh, uh, geez. I know. I know. It's just, it's just. All it is is high school drama. I mean, that's all it is is high school drama. Um, but let's uh, let's talk about it a little bit. To bring you all up to date, um, there's a radio DJ uh, up in uh, what town is he in? Parrington, I think so. Parrington or Spearman, whatever. Somewhere over there. Yeah. Anyway, so he's gotten this uh, uh, investigator. Don't know who he is uh, other than his name. Uh, He's not given what agency he used to work for. Um, There's always a reason for that. And um, he is, uh, I 
guess, how do I describe uh, Mr. Samples? He is on a quest now. He is on a rage now. Well, basically, he just doesn't like you. And so he's he is just he had he I guess he thinks he has something to prove or that he has something to to do in all of this. And I mean, I get he's a DJ, has a radio show, covers cases up there. Okay, got it. But at this point, enough is enough. Like, well, let me let me jump here and say I don't know that. Well, I haven't listened. I I got the tra- you got me the trans or somebody in the office. Not me, because all this happened when I was on vacation and I turned my phone off. Did did Taylor? I think Taylor got me the transcript. He's done three shows now. He's doing a fourth, I understand, this morning, uh, in which uh, when Charlie came in and I just kind of looked at him, he said, you know, there's a fourth show coming up. And I'm like, I don't care. I haven't listened to two or three. I'm not going to listen to four. Uh, but that does. I guess that doesn't matter that I listen to it. I, I think they're trying to elicit a response from me. What I did do is, now let me explain. This investigator in the Brown case has all of a sudden said, you know, he knows what's happening. He's going with news reports. He's going with the AG's report. He's going with our town hall meeting. And he's saying, aha, Philip Klein's a liar. Well, no, I'm not. We did our investigation. We produced our work product to the community per request of some big wigs up there that said, look, just talk to them, tell the community, calm down. We're working on it. And can I interject here? Yeah, we did it to the community per request, but we've also given our files over to the Hemphill County Sheriff's Office, to the OAG's office. The Rangers got it through the Hemphill County Sheriff's Office. What I guess I'm just confused with the continual drama is regarding us and our investigation. I I don't know, but Apparently, this guy uh, is out there saying, you you this and you that, and he's a liar and everything else. Okay, so that's fine. So what we did, we got together as a team. Actually, we didn't get together. They got me on the phone, and we had a little phone conference, and they said, well, you know, what, 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 what else can we do? I said, I don't know. Let me call the family. So I called the Meek family. And I said, hello, you know, here's the situation. Here's what's going on. They said, we're very well aware of it. And I said, okay. And uh, of course, it's a, you just can't say things like that. You can't call someone a psychopath. You cannot call people uh, uh, people liars if you don't have the whole thing in front of you. And Samples and this guy, what's his last name? Crane? Crane. Is that his name? Yeah, but I, I mean, granted, all of this started when I was on vacation. So I haven't really done much as far as like digging into him or who he is. Well, I know I, that I y'all. Have, but see, here's the deal. I don't want you to lift a finger to do that. No, I'm not going to at I, this I point. I see you're now, you're now you guys are getting the inside. I don't want my staff to lift a finger. We have missing people around the United States. We don't have time to listen to a radio DJ and his, I don't know, his super sleuth. Is he former law enforcement? What is he? Does it, what do they say about it? I can't remember what I read. Who about crane? Yeah. Uh, Just that he was a state investigator, a state investigator for somebody, for somebody, but now he's not an investigator, but he's He's retired or something, but now he's investigating the Tom Brown case. So, you know, we'll let that stand for what it is, and uh, we'll let Chief McGraw 
up in, uh, I mean, geez, I said that wrong. Uh, Director McGraw. We'll let him and his team, you know, worry about all that. I, I'm not, I'm not involved in that. I don't care about that. I know there's been complaints filed to DPS. I've been called. Um, I know there's uh, another player. Her name is Michelle Gomez. And can we talk about, hold on just real quick. I had a thought here that one of the main comments I'm seeing on our Facebook page a lot is, well, anybody can investigate the case. Anybody, anybody that can solve this case, get it solved. Okay. While in theory, as an individual, maybe that is what you think. Yep. But in the state of Texas, you actually have to be licensed investigator underneath a company. You can't just be an independent investigator that goes around investigating things just because you feel like you want to. Right. So let me explain that. So we got this lady. Her name's uh, Gomez. What's her first name? Michelle. Michelle Gomez. We got a lady by the name of Michelle Gomez. And she is or attaches herself to different investigatorial agencies that hire her as an employee. State law is very specific. Just because you're a private investigator and you work with a company does not mean that you can go investigate any case anywhere at any time. You have to be retained, right? You have to be retained. Didn't she try to pressure the family into retaining her or signing an agreement? That was my understanding. Okay. Oh, and, and so we have made some phone calls around here. Now, now remember the, the private investigation group in the, in, in the state of Texas is not a bunch of people. Okay. There's 53 PPO agents. There's, you know, a first, uh, it's a very finite group of people. So we all know each other, the big dogs in the state of Austin, in the state of Texas, from Austin, San Antonio, Houston, Dallas. We all know each other. We all serve on boards of directors together. We all do cases together. So you need to understand that Gomez, what she was doing, and I don't know that she's doing it now. Uh, we, we have sent an inquiry to the licensing agency that has hired her now saying, Hey, look, are the Meeks your clients? And we have gotten a resound silence back. Like, what are you talking about? Well, we don't know what you're talking about. And then we've gotten with the Meeks and said, did you hire Michelle Gomez there? Absolutely. We didn't sign anything. They sent us a bunch of stuff. Then the stuff that they signed, we went over to the agency that was on the letterhead and said, did you get permission for this to be done? Their answer was a firm no, that Gomez was terminated by the company when they found out what she was doing outside of an agreement. Which was in August of 2021. August of 2021, she was fired from that group. So, and then of course she has a felony conviction. How she got a commission, we don't know. I mean, these are all things the state of Texas is looking at. It's like I told everybody on our team, uh, you know, just let it go. Who cares? Just let it go. Get back to work. So that's kind of where we are now. The, the interesting part is we know that, you know, we, 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 we as investigators want to know when we hear something that somebody says is fact and they say, hey, this is fact. And we're like, OK, where'd you get that from? And they say, oh, well, I got it from so-and-so who got it from so-and-so who knows so-and-so. Well, that's called the game of telephone. That's when you pick up the phone and you call somebody and you say, hi, how are you? Did you hear about John? He had blue pants on. 
And then the next person said, well, I just heard John had blue pants on. Man, they had, uh, uh, what would you call those? Uh, bell bottoms and a white shirt. And then they, they, that person calls the next one and says, you know, John has some uh, brown, uh, you know, pants on with a, with a green shirt. And then by the time it gets all the way back around in the telephone, this guy has a mansion sitting over on Avenue H with a, you know, uh, 40 girlfriends and he has no pants. I mean, that's how the, the game of telephone works. Everybody puts their little spin on it. Okay. So that's kind of what's going on in the Brown case right now. Uh, our, our thought is let's just let it go. Now I will say, and I think we put it up on the internet. Yes. That we sent a, a note over to, um, what's his name? What's the the new crane crane Crane. we sent a a note via facebook over to crane and said hey look you know what you you have some questions let's answer your questions but we're you know we're not going to do it in public but what we will do is we will bring you down here to southeast texas we will put you in the war room we will put the box and the computers up on the screen and you can look at the entire case file that we have done. You look at, look at it all. We, we got photos, you got, we got correspondence between law enforcement and us. And they came back with this crazy, uh, well, we want you to coordinate with law enforcement. So crane can look at the law enforcement books. And we're like, what? We don't have any, we don't have any pull to do that. That's between you and the law enforcement agencies. You can see our correspondence with them. We don't have a problem with that. And or open up our investigation entirely to law enforcement, which has which is already stupid, been done. That is the most. See, this is, again, the game of telephone. The, the, one of the codicils was, we want you. How they put it? They after After we want you to coordinate with law enforcement so we can compare law enforcement records to yours. And we're like. Um, hello, uh, everyone from the FBI to Texas Rangers to Hemphill County to OAG, everybody has seen the file, taken notes from our files, thanked us for getting in the files. We remain an open, open book. I think OAG has a, don't they have a, what's that group we use that we used to do filing on? We don't do it anymore. Oh, Dropbox. Dropbox. They had an open Dropbox so that every time we entered something into the Dropbox, they would get notice it was entered into the Dropbox. Well, Hemphill County did. OAG came to our office and we supplied our entire, everything onto a disk drive for them. Yep. Everything. So, and had a nice lunch. Yeah. Wasn't it a good lunch? It was. We had a good lunch. We had a good lunch right out on the Natchez River and watched the ships come by and uh, and had lunch with them and discussed the case. So all this crap that we haven't communicated with law enforcement is just what it is, the game of telephone. It, 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 it's just somebody out there has convinced the DJ and somebody has convinced the crane guy that we just didn't communicate with law enforcement and it, and it's just ridiculous. I think didn't Kyle, not Kyle Miller. That's, that's another thing. Uh, what's the, what's the Madonna, the DA. Yeah. Yeah, We put that when we got the call from the OAG says, okay, need you to prepare your file. We're going to the grand jury. 
great fire up we how many days did you all sit in this room and categorize things and put everything together for them and prepare that presentation for the grand jury how long quite a few was it less than a week i mean too many of my hours to count first thing that popped into my mind i came in the office and was screaming at y'all that we had other cases out there we need to prepare what was it i think it was two weeks we we tied up three different investigators in this office that did work that 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 had to categorize everything only to find out well we're not going to go and grand jury and, and it's just crazy and and now here's the theory they're trying to prove up now i want y'all to think about this that tom came home that night went to his house and killed himself okay that his mother that before had had a child at the age of 19 or 20 years old and gave that child up for adoption became a psychopath Ooh, because she gave up a child and her father killed himself. And so she took Tom's body and she put it in the back or the front or the rear, or I don't know how they got the body out there and took the body out to Lake Marvin road and put it under a tree for people to find. Yeah, that's, that, that's the theory. No, really, that's the theory. And some of the comments that I've, my staff has told me, again, I don't sit on Facebook. I don't have time for Facebook. Some of what they have told me is, is that a lot of you out there are going, that's the most stupid thing in the world. And my first comment, when I first heard that theory back in the what? The first two months of the case. When I first heard that theory, who came out of the sheriff's mouth at the time, the first thing I thought about that theory was, well, what happened to the other 1.5 million women that gave away child children that year for adoption in the United States? Are they all psychopaths? Well, in the instances of what they're of what these people that claim to know Penny and claim to have gone to school with her and all the messages that I've read into our Facebook page, like the private messages sent. Have you honestly even sat down and had a conversation with Penny about whatever happened? Did you actually give her any respect to have a conversation with her about whatever has happened before you chose to go and publicly state the things you're stating about a mother and about a baby and about adoption and about anything else for that matter? No, you haven't. You don't know. You don't know. We know. We have the documents. I assure you, Penny had nothing to do with this. Nothing. And anyone that actually knows us and our firm and what the reputation is would know that we've always looked at our clients as the first people we either (laughs) prove in or prove out that they're involved or they're not involved. And the crazy thing about it is we get it from both spectrums. I'll give you an example. The Dior Coons case where we got sued by the parents because we said no you all are suspects in killing your child the fbi agreed with us the state of idaho agreed with us bonneville county agreed with us limhigh county agreed with us everybody came to the conclusion this is again because we all work together and we got it done pretty fast so they sued us great sue me i'm fine i got the resources come on let's go And so we got in front of a judge and the judge said, 
the, the most famous words, and I use it around here all the time. The truth is the ultimate defense. The truth will set you free. And that and 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 that's what we stick by here. I, I don't care. I just don't care. But you're not going to accuse me of committing crimes. That's one thing I do care about. That goes over the line. Remember, we've discussed Philip Klein is a public person. You can say anything you want to say. That's why this radio DJ up in Parrington is saying whatever he wants to say about me. He's calling me names. He's doing, you know, fine. Okay. I, I kind of liked the guy. I mean, I kind of, I kind of really did. I mean, and I still do today. I mean, he's, at least he's got a set between his legs. I mean, I'm just going to say it that way. And, uh, but he's wrong and he'll be shown to be wrong. And uh, do I expect an apology? No. I mean, he's too proud of a man. Uh, this Michael Crane guy, I mean, he's going to go back in his hole somewhere up uh, in uh, wherever he is. Or he'll him. come here and do check we, out our files. Or he'll check, or he'll show up here in our offices. Which, again, we have an open invitation with him. We are more than happy to have you come in to the offices and sit down with us. Or not, we won't, we'll leave the room. Hell, I don't care. And then we'll let you do your notes and do your job because you say you're that good. Okay, come be that good. I mean, that's just the way I see it. Come be that good. If I was sitting in Crane's place and I got an open invitation to come in and look at the complete case file, I mean, I'd be here in what ten minutes. I mean, you know, I'd I'd get on an airplane. Hell, we even did, didn't I tell y'all to offer his airfare, his hotel, yeah, transportation. But he doesn't. He he said no to. He, oh, we did. He'd pay his own way, which is fine. What's well, fine? And frankly see you here if you want to come come on yeah we're doors here. open and we've got more topics to move to so. so let's get out of that let's go on to i want to talk about the dior coons case i know there's a lot of people requesting mm -hmm. information on that yes and you said the truth was the ultimate defense and so before we take our break let's go ahead and talk about the shirt that is coming out with go. the truth is the ultimate defense go with that um we are going to be releasing a series of shirts that um will be um, through a third party website, you can order your shirts and those orders, um, and the money made from those orders will go directly to different, uh, various cases that coincide with whatever the shirt is. So for instance, the first shirt we're going to release, I'm looking at right now. Um, and the back of it said, the truth is the ultimate defense, um, hashtag justice for Dior. And so, um, and there's a cool graphic with it. So we're going to be releasing that third party website that will be creating the shirts and taking all the orders and everything. And then, um, you can order it and will they will ship it to you once it is ready. So, um, we're going to start doing various shirts according to various cases and according to Phillips famous words. The truth is the ultimate defense. Now, let's talk about the Coons case before we go to break real quick. I'll just spend two minutes on it. Do I have two minutes? I do. You do. So I will spend just two minutes on it on the Dior Coons case. Um, we have a family member that has uh, agreed to be the leader again and retain us. Uh, they are doing fundraisers right now with this family member. Uh, to retain us back into the case. Uh, we have a fan, uh, not a family member. We have a person in the community that is putting up $10,000. Uh, and we have uh, a bunch of other donations that are coming through, I think, uh, to the tune of say, so we're getting there to the number that would reenact us and get it to get us, um, get us back up and spun up. Remember, you have to have a client. 
you have to have a retainer. You have to have an agreement to hire a private investigator. Private investigators just don't run around the state of Texas or the United States of America and investigate cases, investigate cases without having a client. If you do, it's a violation of Texas law. And uh, again, that'll, that'll be coming out. So I think what's the number we're up to now about 15,000 on that. We're close to it from what I've been told. I'd have to go back and look. Um, I think we're close. Somebody, who was I talking to? Oh, I was talking to the potential client. She said, look, I I think we got about 15,000. So, you know, that's good. That covers the, uh, remember in this case, especially this just covers our travel. Idaho's a long way away from Peterland, Texas. Uh, sure. Yeah, and lodging. Yeah. And uh, for our teams, and uh, I think we're going to try to get Taz back up there. I mean, Chance was up there, but Chance is retiring. We'll talk about Trace and Chance, and and, uh, and we'll talk about Tracy here when we come back from the break because I think it's important everybody see it. But the Coons case, that we are working on it, and we'll get back with all of you uh, here in the next uh, months. It is about time to get back up there. Uh, we understand that um, one of the family members is trying to put a C&D together. That's a cease and desist. They don't want us involved. I wouldn't want us involved either if I was guilty. Uh, but uh, anyway, they're trying to do that. And, you know, we're, you know, state of Idaho told them to go blow. The judge told them to go blow and gave us $150,000 in the lawsuit uh, that we uh, unfortunately are unable to, uh, to collect because uh, the father is uh, – He's a suspect. Let's just put it that way. And uh, so anyway, uh, we are, uh, we're, we're, looks like, it looks like we're headed very quickly back in the Coons case. If that happens, we'll be up there this summer. So uh, let's take a break. When we come back from the break, we got a lot of stuff to talk about and we've got some of your calls and messages and emails and everything else. And we'll, we'll answer those. This is the Klein files. My name is Philip Klein and my, uh, Super, super duper vice president of operations, Caroline Gear is here as well. We'll talk to you in just a minute. Are you a hot mess like me, always on the go and putting everyone else's needs above your own? Then Her Messy Life, a Southern chic boutique, is here to help you. With new arrivals weekly, ranging in sizes from small to 3X, you can spice up your outfits and indulge in some much-needed retail therapy at Her Messy Life. Make sure to use the coupon code CLIN15 for 15% off at hermessylife.com. Shop today and find your new favorite item. Hey, this is Katrina from Wisconsin. I just wanted to say congrats on the one year of the podcast. I really enjoy listening to it. Um, I kind of await every episode anxiously. <laughs> it's super interesting to listen to. I really appreciate you guys putting out the podcast. But, yeah, I just wanted to say happy one year. All right, bye. Oh, and welcome back. I, I I kept getting signals from the other side of the room. Goodness. <laughs> like, go ahead and talk. I don't know. I guess I had a senior moment there or something. I don't know. <laughs> All right, Caroline. Uh, so we're uh, going to go through uh, questions and answers. We're going to go through, uh, there's some pretty pointed questions in here, and then we're going to play a little game of rapid fire with, uh, with the boss and uh, see how I do. Well, so before we start, um, we, I just want to reiterate, and I guess it's come to my attention that there's some, been some issues with, um, the 
uh, why can't I think I blanked out the, um, welcome to my world. Isn't it, isn't it horrible? Isn't it horrible when you sit there and you're thinking of something, the extension, the extension one Oh two. I especially have a, a, a cell phone going, a telephone going, a computer going at the same time. And then all of a sudden I blank out and it's horrible. So, we have been having some issues with extension 102. Um, so I know there are people that have tried to call in and they've stated that it's not going to the voicemail. There's obviously some issues there. We're going to work those out. Um, so in the meantime, I'm going to play the ones that were able to be um, on the voicemail. And then I have some that have written into us just questions that they want answered that because they couldn't leave a voicemail. Are they good? So are from, they good questions? Um, I mean, some of them, yeah. Really? Yeah. All right. So anyways, we're going to start here in just one moment. Um, but just to reiterate, anybody can call into our office. If you cannot get to extension 102, you can call extension 107 or just press seven. Yep. There you go. Two ways to do it. The back way, which you're not supposed to know about, just push seven. And the front way is 107. We're on computers down here. Everything now is digitized. Uh, and that's the greatest part of uh, the technology world right now. We, we, we can literally be in uh, California and uh, you guys have your phone set, right? To if it rings here and yeah. you don't answer, it goes right to your yes. cell phones. Okay. See, I don't do that. Well, they all come to me. Oh, do they? Mm-hmm. Oh. Cause our other investigators like to have their time off when who, they, when they leave this office. Who knew? Not me. Apparently the boss didn't know. So. <laughs> All right. So moving to question one is going to be on the Chambers case. Mm-hmm. Hi. Uh, I have a question about the Michael Chambers case for your podcast. So my question is how confident are you about the speed the cell phone traveled on its way to the two mile bridge? Uh, I know there's been a lot of talk about um, the cell phone leaving the Chambers residence to the two mile bridge. So if it traveled at four and a half miles an hour, what are the various theories for how that happened since that is significantly slower than a bike ride? Uh, is there any chance that someone walked over the bridge? So I was just kind of hoping you could talk a little bit more about that cell phone travel at four and a half miles an hour. Um, so thank you. Bye-bye. Okay, great question. So let me, let me, let me kind of break it down for our listening audience out there. One of the things that in the Michael Chambers case, this is the firefighter from Dallas that we are working his case. Uh, he disappeared up in uh, Quinlan, correct? Quinlan? Yes. Is that how you pronounce it? Quinlan, Texas. I know everybody yells at me about my pronunciations. Uh, but up in Quinlan, Texas, um, he was at home and uh, he disappeared. Uh, when police arrived on scene, there was uh, blood matter. Uh, on the garage floor. And it wasn't just a garage. It was a huge warehouse type garage. Um, and so when police first uh, began to investigate it, they said, oh, he just ran away. And we're, we heard that before. And so um, they had helicopters up, they did searches, they did everything else, and they never found a body. Um, one of the things they did was his cell phone was active. Okay. So let me help you all. If you want to disappear, this is one of the things you do. Of course, one of the things I always recommend you do if you want to disappear is turn your cell phone off and throw it in salt water. And then you don't have to worry about that cell phone ever again. You don't have to worry about authorities uh, getting in your cell phone. However, 
A cell phone, and I'm going to do this really simplistic. There's more to it. So all you sleuths out there that go, oh, my God, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Yeah, I do. Cell phones are basically walkie-talkies with a computer on it. Okay? You understand that? They're walkie-talkies with a computer on it. So they admit a signal. And that signal goes to the nearest cell phone tower. If one tower is super busy, it'll go to another cell phone tower, like at a concert, like down here in Southeast Texas at the Woodlands or up in Dallas at the Palladium or wherever you go to concerts at. There's a bunch of people with a bunch of phones. Like, so if you have 35,000 phones at a concert, right? Like Kenny Chesney, one of the things we did with Kenny Chesney is, is we would go out there and put up, cell phone towers. We would put up towers that would interface with, uh, give you more space with cell phones. Uh, because 35,000 people crammed in a room and everybody's talking on their phones or sending videos back to their families or trying to communicate with babysitters or whatever the hell's going on. You can't have 35,000 people on a, on one cell tower at one time. It would overload the system. Yes. 5g is making it a lot better, but you just, it just, sometimes the system gets overloaded. Anyway, back to the story. We knew from cell phone records that were shared to us by the FBI and by local authority that Chambers, Chambers' cell phone went from his house approximately how many miles? 6.7, if I might, popped into my head, but I want to make sure I'm factual. Well, I'd have to pull up the file to be factual, factual, but it was over six miles. Over six miles from his house to the overpass over Lake Tawakany. Tawakany. I can't ever say it. Tawakany. Okay. And that's where the cell phone signal went out. And that's why the marshals and local sheriff's department and Texas Rangers and you know they, they 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 focused in on that bridge so they did dives on that bridge to see if his body was there the theory was that he got on his bicycle because there was a bicycle missing right there was a bicycle missing and that somebody that he got on the bicycle and <laughs> rode all the way over to the bridge six ten miles away got on top of the bridge threw his bike in the water and jumped in and killed himself. However, we don't see it that way. Let me tell you why. Number one, the bridge over Lake Tawakany to the water. Now I'm talking to the top of the bridge to the water is less than seven feet. Okay. That's called fall rate. The fall rate is between 7.2 and 7.3. Nobody's going to die jumping in to a lake seven feet. It just isn't going to happen. Two, there was no blood out on the bridge. Okay, how do we know that? The dogs, again, there was no blood, there was no hits, there was no nothing. Okay, remember, we found blood that was Michael Chambers's blood in in the in in the garage area. Okay, third, they said, well, he rode his bicycle out there, and we were like. Okay, if you go out there and look at the terrain, there are no bike paths. It's a two-lane road all the way around that goes around to the Walmart area uh, about five miles down the road. 
uh, it, 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 you would see somebody riding a bike or the, the bike would have to literally, yes or no, go, go off into the grass or into the rocks or there's, there's no bike path. There's no way a bike is going to go like that four and a half miles an hour. So we went back and we tried to recreate all that and we couldn't, there was just nothing we could do. We couldn't. So that's when we made the decision that the, uh, the ping admission, let's just call it to the cell phones was inaccurate. We just, we just couldn't put it together. There's no way if you ride a bike and you're going 4.5 miles an hour, that, is not going to get you from A to Z with no witnesses, nobody seeing him. Somebody would have seen him. I mean, that's a very high traveled area out there in Quinlan. It, yeah. It's like the main road, like the two roads that he would have been seen on are the main roads. So, you know, not, there's not one damn witness out there that can come tell us even people that live in up and down that, that farm to market road. No, we never seen. No, we didn't see that. However, the people across the street do tell us, well, we did see a truck backed up out there. What kind of truck? Well, it wasn't Michael's. We all knew Mike's. So we have a truck that was backed up to the garage. We have blood in the garage. We have a bike missing in the, in the you know, you know what it sounds like to me. So now that I'm sitting here thinking about it, it sounds like some dumbass trying to set up a murder, you know, a, a death scene. But but anyway, so uh, the, uh, he just simply disappeared. His billfold, There thousands of dollars folks i'm not talking about a thousand dollars i'm talking about thousands to the tune of thirty thousand dollars was right there in the garage nobody took that well somebody did take it later i guess the wife got it but anyway the so so then all of a sudden the wife comes and says oh i can't find him in the house and goes next door and gets him it's a, it, it just sounds like a damn setup and so we have exhaustively cleaned up that bike ride between the house and the, the bridge. We, we just, we can't, we can't put it together. The numbers don't match. However, we did see some cell phone difference between the, the tower that it was going off of. And remember the technology three, four years ago is a lot different than it is today. We would have been able to accurately ping that phone. So our guess is they were trying, it, 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 it just looks like a, am I wrong? It looks like a setup. Well, basically in a nutshell, to answer the caller's question, yes, it is possible that somebody just walked across the bridge and threw it over the side. We know that the last, um, and I'm looking at it right now, the last time on when the phone, the last signal to the phone was 5.53 PM. So it and is a it I'll, is a possibility. We don't believe that the bike theory that was thrown out by the sheriff's department is accurate, right. and we've been very vocal about that. Right. And I went down to our local bike shop, and I showed the guy what I'm looking at, and he said, uh, "No, how old's this guy?" I said, uh, he was in his 60s at the time of his disappearance, <laughs> with with a knee replacement, wasn't it?" Yeah, he had a knee replacement. And we were we went and they went, yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. Now, let me tell you why I don't think that's going to happen. Michael Chambers, no matter what anybody tells you, Michael Chambers was not riding bikes. They were bikes that were hung up on hooks in that little warehouse slash garage. Folks, there was rust stains 
on the hooks. Like the which, bikes weren't even working. The bikes and the bikes weren't even. That's the other point I was going to get to is the bikes weren't even working. The chains had rust on them. Now that means chambers. If you want to believe that theory, that means chambers got on a bike with that had rust on the, on the, on the chain and all of a sudden made a decision. He was going to ride out to six to 10 miles away and go jump off a bridge. I mean, it's, it's sometimes you just can't make it up. Of course, everyone knows the story because it's been in the media that us and the local sheriff's department, who we just love, we love this sheriff. He's the, he's really working hard. He's put a team together up there. Let's clarify the new sheriff. The new sheriff has. And and then, and, and, and they are bringing back in some of these witnesses. They've listened to our tapes. Of okay. Our- so before we get too much in that, let's go Uh-oh. with the next question because you oh. are babbling and we have more questions. Well, I know, but I think people need to know. But this is a question in regarding to Michael Chambers. Oh, here we go. Can you give us an update on where the case stands? I look forward to all of your podcasts. Oh, well, thank you for that. So that's what I was getting into. Is that why you interjected that? I did. Okay, very good. You're on top of it today. I am. I may send you off on vacation next week. Um, The bottom line is where is the case? Well, there have been. um, Well, I can answer the first part of this question. Well, let me, do you want me to talk about the tip? Sure. You go with the tip and then I'll answer the rest. All right. The tip is this, is that uh, Chambers is buried. um, And it's a person that knows some of the inside and has been a witness and probably has been asking their own questions. I don't want to say if it's a boy or girl, so don't say if it is. Uh, The all eyes are pointing again. And we've named her as a person of interest uh, towards his wife. Uh, she was having multiple affairs. She was, and they have confessed to those affairs. They have confessed, and uh, she um, um, was with a man at the time. Uh, we have cell phone pings of him being in the area of the house, so it's going to be one of those technical things until we find a body. Which we are looking for. We don't think it's out at Lake Quinlan now. Uh, there was a couple places that we need to search. In Quinlan. In Quinlan. I mean, I'm sorry. In Lake Tahokamone. Lake Tawakany, which we we still are planning our search to have a certain portion of Lake Tawakany cleared. We do. Where There's a portion we have to get cleared. Chance and Trace have been out around the area that we've We've wanted to uh, search the state of Texas and the county had their dogs out there. Their dogs hit where our dogs hit. Uh, it's a little bit dangerous of an area. A lot of snakes, a lot of uh, pigs out there, not pigs, hogs uh, out there. It's a very dangerous little area. Uh, we've got to set up perimeters when the dog is working. So, um, you know, it, it's, it, it's a work in progress, but we have to coordinate everything together to get everybody back out there. Uh, the ventures with a purpose, uh, we're going to be working with them a little bit, uh, as well as my good friend, Tim Miller, uh, in Houston, God bless Tim went through really a tough time. Um, did you, did you see the comments that Philip Klein doesn't know Tim Miller? I did not, but that's crazy. <laughs> he was here in this office. Uh, remember the, mm-hmm. the jumper from the bridge? I mean, people make 
they crap like, up and think telephone. that they know that it to be true and it's not so, telephone telephone um there is a new investigator that was been assigned to the case and she is working extremely hard man um, she's wonderful too god dang it she's good and so i've been in communication with her i've opened up everything to her that she doesn't have um so i feel very confident moving forward you know being able to be in communication now with an investigator from him or hemp hill not hemp hill um hunt county and um good people they are you know doing their due diligence and we're doing our due diligence and And i'm going to do my two second spiel when you put the private security world and you put the public security world together and everyone works as a team for a common goal things get done and that's what this sheriff has done up there in Hunt County. He's listened to us. We've listened to him. He's given us our theory. We sat in a big conference room and we went over the entire case together. Folks, that's what I'm trying to tell you. We have got to change the way business is done in the investigation world in the state of Texas. Yes, I understand there are fly-by-nights in Texas. All of a sudden, somebody gets up some money and hire, does an investigation company and then calls themselves an investigator and then tries to t- pass the state test and they fail and they fail and they fail. Finally, they do the open book one and they pass. I mean, you know, it, it, and I get there's fly-by-nights. I really do. I understand it. I've been doing this 37 years, 38 now. Congratulations to me. And I'm telling you, folks, get the public and the private world together and we can get things done. We can get cases solved. Okay. All right. Next question. Um, we're going to go to the Kuntz case next. Um, was AA, which is also known as Amanda Abel, ever questioned about Dennis, what Dennis may have told her? She claims that Dennis got drunk many times and confided into her and said that the family was scared that she was going to talk. If she was questioned, what was her reply? And will we peruse questioning her if she hasn't been? Okay. So. So Amanda Abel has, we've had, we have had conversations. Yeah, but I don't know how much of that I want to release. Um, We have had conversation A, B, there's some rabbit trails we have to go down. But again, remember, we're out of the case. We're officially out of the case right now, unless we're, we are re-retained. Um, you know, I'm going to, well, we can, we can not answer that directly, but what I will say is that with the Kuntz case, we have had, you know, we were out of it and we kind of abruptly got out of it or became out of it. However you want to look at it. And right at the end, when we no longer were on the case, we did have a couple tips come in that I've always sat here and said, you know, I just don't feel comfortable not following through on those tips. Yes, before anybody asked either of us, they were sent to law enforcement. Okay. And we still have active communication with all levels of law enforcement in Idaho because, you know, there's some historical things that they need that we provide to them immediately. If they don't have it again, they have open book. Uh, They have an open portal into our hard drive uh that keeps this uh well keep, they used to not but, anymore since oh they we don't switched did y'all shut there. it down we, but we gave, gave them everything we had so. yeah everything we've got they've got so um and and then you know we'll get them in back into the portal if they need it but the bottom line is is this is the answer is have we talked to amanda abel yes we have we really don't want to release anything else yet right now until we're retained i think it'd be inappropriate 
um, those tips have been given to law enforcement and have they visited with Amanda Abel? My answer would be, I have no idea. Yeah, I I don't know, but I know it was onto the discussion board less than two months ago. All right. Switching tracks. Um, We're going to go back to the Tom Brown case because I have two questions on those. Although we have talked about this over and over and over again, so I don't want to spend a whole lot of time. So just do like rapid answer to some of these questions. Why did Mike and Caleb use past tense when referring to Tom in your initial interviews? Tom was only missing for two days at the time of the interviews, and they said Tom was a funny guy. Why was and not is? Everyone else interviewed by you in the podcast referred to Tom with present tense. So, okay. So when, you know, and I wish, I wish MJ was here because she would be able to talk a little bit more. She is, she is our, 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 uh, interviewer and she's graduated from all these different things like schools and that sort of thing about interviewing. One of the things we do with the interviews is we do send them over to GBI, Georgia Bureau of Investigation, because she has an, uh, some friends that work there. Uh, or who have worked there. I guess I should use past tense. There, a lot of them are retiring now. And we, we did send some of those interviews. And I don't know that specific interview, but I do know that they did listen to some of them. And they said that a couple of the witnesses, which were the last to see him, uh, were deceptive. Uh, they can see that by uh, two things. Number one, how they write something. So written analysis. And second thing is, isn't the human brain weird? when you're lying, you write things. It's crazy. I, I tell you, I wish I'd, I wish I had this information 38 years ago, I'd be somewhere. Uh, and then the second is, is, is how they say things now, how they say things past tense, pretense very quickly. Um, yes, we do note that. Yes, that is, uh, of issue. Uh, do we believe them to be suspect? No. Do we believe they may be some witnesses with more information? Yes. One of the things on the Brown case that kind of disturbs us is, is where Castletine's uh, father's body was found was less than, uh, what, 200 yards? 200 yards from where Tom's car was found. Very, very close. Uh, That's always been a concern to us. And then, of course, uh, you know, um, the, uh, well, he's not really a drug dealer. He only passes marijuana around if you buy it. What? Um, That sort of thing. Uh, but we, do we believe there might be something involved in that? Yes. But we, there's a picture. See, everybody's, when we released that tape on Chris Jones, Chris Jones, that's not the only interview Chris Jones has given. Okay. We just released that one where he said, okay, look, I want to confess to a couple more things. And he confessed to us about a couple more things. Right. And of course, uh, the radio DJ and his, uh, his, his investigator, all went, oh, now they're trying to say there's a betting ring in, in Canadian. Well, okay, there may have been. I don't know. That's what this Chris Jones says. We can only go by what people tell us, right? And then we have to verify it out. Uh, and to say that we have some things that have raised our eyebrows would be an understatement, I'd say, at this point. Well, yeah, and to say that, you know, one thing I've read regarding the Chris Jones interview, I mean, you did I, the interview, right? I did. And I was mm-hmm. able to establish a somewhat of a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A, a relationship, if you want to call it that, um, with him, a trusting relationship um, with him. And, you know, 
the things that he's always stayed consistent with me. Now the OAG will tell you, oh, he was never consistent with them. He may not have been, but with us, he, or with me, he was consistent. We released a portion of that interview, but that wasn't the only interview as Philip stated. But even more importantly than that, since we've released that, I've had at least five other tips that have come back to us of knowledge of some sort of gambling ring there within Canadian. And what he described to us, we kind of at first went, okay, that doesn't sound right. But then we started investigating it. Remember, we're investigators. One of the things we started to do is investigate it. And we started taking other statements and people kind of get real sheepish and say, yeah, some of that's been going on, but I don't know how deep it is. Eh, you know, was it part of a gambling ring operation? I don't know. I mean, I just don't know. Do I think it was? Yeah, it's a theory we're following up with. Are we done with it? No, we're not done with it at all. But we're going back now and listening to all the interviews and seeing if that question A came up, B, if it did come up, what was said about it, and C, if it didn't come up, was there any reference in those interviews? And that's MJ Holmes' side. She's working on that in her time that she has. Uh you know, again, it's, it's a fluid operation. So I hope that answered your question. What's the next question? All right. And this is the last one we have time for today. Uh -oh. Um, we are almost out of time. What? Um, this person has been trying to call the line. It was not working. So he's going to leave it here. At one point we had operated under the theory that Tom was accidentally killed and that Nathan, and that night a call was made to Sheriff Nathan Lewis and that this was a cover-up began, which, yes, was one of the original theories. My question is, is there any record of the phone call being placed? If that call was never proven to have been made, then why was the theory ever put out in the first place? And if that call did take place, why wasn't it pursued? It seems like a pretty easy thing to prove or disprove. Thanks. Unless you drove two blocks over to the sheriff's house from where the football stadium is. I don't know. Uh, unless you're using a throw phone. I don't know. I mean, we knew the sheriff had two other throw phones that he used. You know, he had a, a, a total of three phones, right? The, the official phone. And then two throw phones. So we knew that because he used them in drug operations. Um, so the answer to the question is, yes, it's a, it's a mysterious question. We've got to get that, that question answered. Uh, but uh, the bottom line is, is that, you know, we'd love to go back and, and redo everything and make it easy, uh, but it's not. Uh, did Castletine's father... Uh, was there a phone call made from from the Castletines? Yes, and according to their statements to us and according to their recorded testimony to us is that, um, you know, Michael was asleep in his nice little bed and then at 2.30 in the morning he pops up and gets out of bed and says, oh, God, uh, uh, Tom's missing. I, I got to go out and search for him. And then he gets in his car and he goes out and drives. Do we have all that verified? We have Michael Castletine's phone rings. We, we know where he was. Uh, when did Castletine leave the house? Well, it wasn't 2.30. It was actually around 12.30. And so, you know, all the, again, it's playing telephone. 
you know, we've got the facts here in this office. Um, everybody can spin out 235, 37, 31, 32. 30, you know, we're confident with what we have. We, we just are. Uh, and the OAG has it. Um, you know, Mrs. Castletine, is she in, was she involved in this situation? No. Did Michael Castletine's father have serious problems down in Midland and Odessa? Yes, he did. Uh, was he under investigation? Yes, he was. There were other extenuating circumstances. Does it have anything to do with the Tom Brown case? My answer is, I don't know. We don't have all the answers. We don't have all the answers, folks. We're investigating it. Okay. So I hope that answers your question. That does. All right. Well, I think we are, it? we're running out of time. We oh, got about 30 hell. seconds left. So. Well, anyway, let me just say thank you guys for your support out there. Pray for the missing. Uh, listen to the radio DJ and his investigator. And, and uh, because, we, you know, they're, maybe they know something we don't. Maybe they're better than we are. We don't know. But uh, we're hoping drastically that this thing comes together and God love the Meek family and the rest of the missing. We hope you have a great week. We'll talk to you, what, in about two weeks, right? Sounds like a plan. All right. We'll see you then. Thank you. Bye.